Danny Atwell, Dark Charm Media's Fascination Street. Starring Paul Schroyer as Damon Holloway, Christopher Hangel as Rafferty, Emily McEnulty as Carrie White, Jesse Kirkland. As Roderick von Bismarck. And Dan McCloskey as the gatekeeper. Welcome to the linchpin of the Dark Charm universe. Damon watched as Carrie slept in the light of the lamppost. They had found a really nice era of time in which there was no human contact and plenty of trees and mountains. It seemed a little odd, and there was still a smell that he couldn't quite place, but all in all it was a tranquil place to sleep. They couldn't risk staying in the Nexus Eternal, for fear of Carrie being exposed to Rafferty's otherworldly form. It would have endangered her too much. That didn't, however, stop the growling in his stomach. He originally planned on eating when he arrived on Carrie's world, but that she got shot to hell pretty quickly as he had to be the hero. He had to find some food soon or he would never get any sleep, so Damon got up and started walking around looking for something edible. He happened upon a stream, and he marveled how it hardly made any noise. That's a bit creepy. At first, he thought that it had something to do with being in the proximity of the lamppost, but that was wrong. He couldn't hear anything. No crickets, no birds, or any other animals were able to be found. He cleaned out his ears with his pinky finger just to be sure. He knelt down at the shore of the river and put his hands inside. He was amazed as he lifted his hands to find that his hand was indeed wet, but not with what looked like water. It felt weird to him, but vaguely familiar. He then looked down at his hand and saw that it was a mixture of different transparent colors bleeding out. Damon shook his head as he raised his hand to smell it. That was the strange odor he was smelling, but it was really prevalent there at the stream. Where the fuck are we? Damon asked as he tried wiping his hands on the leaves nearby, only to be surprised as the color of the leaves came off onto his hands. This time, the color wasn't so transparent. He walked back over toward the light of the lamppost as he started to actually begin hearing noises. Some noises like a scraping or rumbling nearby, followed by large quakes. Uh-oh. When he got back to the lamppost, Carrie was still lying peacefully there. He hated having to wake her, but if their lives depended on it, he wouldn't hesitate. Fortunately for him, the noises and quaking had already woken her up. Damon, 
What's going on? I don't know, but I think I might have found a really bad place to take a nap. Oh, you'd said this place was tranquil and sane. I thought that was the case, but now I'm not so sure. Do you hear those noises? Carrie turned her attention away from Damon and looked around as well as listening. She was curious as well. well what's that? Damon lifted his hand to show her what he did while looking for food. Look what happened when I tried to get some water from the stream. Carrie looked at his hand. She then closed her eyes and started feeling out with her brain. Damon watched her as the sound started getting closer and louder. Carrie? Carrie held up her hand as if trying to tell Damon to stop. Damon saw a large metallic object come right out of the sky and slam into the ground nearby and started carving things into the very fabric of existence. And then those carvings did something that Damon didn't expect. They became twigs and plants. Carrie opened her eyes and started laughing. <laughs> Damon, being scared to death, looked at her with slight anger. I don't see what's so funny. Big giant blades are coming out of the fucking sky and creating twigs and plants in front of me. Does the phrase, We don't make mistakes. We have happy accidents mean anything to you? Damon looked at her incredulously at first, but then something clicked in his head. Holy shit! We're in a Bob Ross painting! I love that guy! Well, if we don't get out of here, it's most likely we're going to be covered with a mixture of burnt umber, Van Dyke brown, and sap green oil paints. Carrie said as she started to touch the lamppost. Damon did the same and closed his eyes. <laughs> Moments later, the lamppost disappeared just before a bushy brush came in later and crashed to the ground, creating another layer in the painted world. Damon opened his eyes and observed his new surroundings. It was much different from where they were. The air was clean and fresh and there was a cool breeze. They were out in a grassy field. He looked at the oil paint that was still on him began to wipe it on the ground. Where are we now? I don't know. Remind me to ask if there is a way to differentiate between these worlds and times and realities and such. But we need to get this pain off of us. Oh, there has got to be a better way than trial and error, Damon. Damon started walking away from the lamppost. I'm pretty sure this isn't Cincinnati or Queen City. But I wouldn't know that if my life depended on it. Then where are you going? Damon turned around and started walking backward. Carrie, I haven't eaten anything in at least a day. I was in the damn hospital being fed with an IV. And before that, I was on my way to school to get something to eat for breakfast there. I'm starving. Wait a minute. Let me look around with my power first before you go cavaliering into unknown territory. Or is that something you do on a regular basis? Damon stopped and admired Carrie's British accent. You could read the phone book to me and it would be interesting. What's a phone book? You mean a directory? Yeah, same thing. She smiled, closed her eyes, and used her powers to reach out with her mind. He folded his arms as he waited for her to finish her mind scan. Carrie waited a little more and then opened her eyes. We're... In a city not far from here to the south, a lot of people. We're on the outskirts, actually. From the looks of it, it's called New Orleans? But not from any world I know. Maybe yours. All right, then. Let's head in that direction. But 
shouldn't we move the lamppost to a more accessible place closer to the city? Damon stopped and turned around once more. I think that the lamppost is probably going as far as it can. You don't know for sure. You've been a watchman all of a day before I came into the picture. I sense fear in you. It's okay, though. Let me try seeing if I can maneuver us further. Damon started walking back toward the lamppost. Suit yourself, Carrie. The better chance we have of getting some food in my system, the better off mentally I think we'll be. I haven't been fed by the governor's men for two days more than you have. What's that supposed to mean? I'm not complaining endlessly. Well, I don't wish to be abrasive, but your generation is a bit soft, aren't you? I'm not soft. I just come from a world of plenty, and I'm used to it. Well, that makes a lot of sense now that you mention it. Damon got to the lamppost as Carrie closed her eyes. She touched the lamppost as he did. When she opened her eyes, they were in an empty alley in the city. Damon opened his eyes. Wow! Now are we still at the same point of time? We are geographically closer to where we need to be, outside of the eyes of outsiders and any people who don't need to know what's going on. In fact, we're in a different era of your timeline. September 7th, 1974. Wow! I'm three years old up in Cincinnati at this moment. Jess was only two. How did you find all that out? Well, being gifted as I am has its privileges. This timeline and your body chemistry have the same wavelength, and you both vibrate at the same frequency in my mind. It has taken me a little less time to understand how this lamppost works. For you, however, it might take a while to learn the nuances of how linear and web-like this actually is, because you aren't gifted. I am gifted. Who rescued you from a mad governor who was trying to burn you alive? Me. Oh, I didn't mean it in that context. Bullshit. Since we got together, it seems as though you've been waiting to rub something in my face. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I didn't know what I was thinking, oh angel of the lord. If I didn't back you up, we both would have been killed. Can you two stop arguing? Damon looked around to see where the voices came from. Carrie's eyes were on Damon. Who, who said that? Look at your wrist, Watchman. The fabric of his suit morphed into a screen, and not unlike that of the small Japanese TV sets that they were making recently in Damon's time. The only difference was that it was flat and molded to Damon's arm. Damon lifted his wrist. Rafferty? A face, not unlike that of a mask, appeared on the screen. Yes, Damon. How else do you think we would be able to contact you when you're out in the field? Carrie closed her eyes almost instinctively. Rafferty reacted. It's okay, Carolyn. In this form, I cannot harm you. I am electronic in this form. Oh. Does my suit do the same thing? Indeed it does, Carolyn. So why are you contacting us? I thought we were exploring. For starters, with regards to you and Miss White, you may not be on the same page as it pertains to the mission concepts and moral stances, but you have to work as a team to get the mission completed. We cannot have quarreling that would endanger the fabric of creation, considering it was you that brought her I know, on. Rafferty. We need to play nice. What's going on? Originally, we just wanted you to get a feel of what it's like to explore the multiverse. But a situation has come up, and we need you to address it accordingly. Together. Damon looked at Carrie and nodded his head. I agree. Take this as a team-building exercise that counts. Carolyn? The mission is very critical. For this, I want you to take point because of the knowledge you already know. Why on her knowledge? This is even her timeline. That is precisely the reason why. You might endanger yourself with a mere ripple of something strange which could affect you in Cincinnati. 
Because of her telepathy, she will have an easier time making sure that some of the details of the mission get performed properly. Whatever. Carrie looked at Rafferty's image on Damon's screen. What do you need us to accomplish? First things first, feed yourselves. The suits are giving feedback that your blood sugar levels are extremely low. You cannot perform these tasks without some sort of sustenance. How do you expect us to pull that off in a big city? We have no money. Rafferty pulled up a diagram on the screen. Take a rock or some other solid item and the suit can convert it into that arrow's currency or anything else you would need so long as it is not a weapon. Wait a minute. What happens when I let the rock or leaf or whatever go? It won't stay like that in the vendor's hands if this all relies on illusion. It's not an illusion, Carrie. It's reconfiguration. It can last for as long as you have the pyros within the suit. What is money but paper and metal? You are just converting it to what you need for that time being. After food, what then? A picture of a dark-haired woman appeared on Damon's screen. It is thought that this woman is in danger from falling into the clutches of the defiling horde. Why do they want this lady? Why is she so special? Why she is special is of no concern to you for the moment. Only that she is protected is the mission. <sighs> Fine, Rafferty. Where can we find her? She lives in the lower ninth ward of the city. Knowing this, Carrie can once again align the lamppost in that general direction and get closer to where you need to be. And Damon? Yeah? Do be careful. Work as a team. Damon saw the screen go black and then disappear as it once again became the fabric of the suit. An hour later, the lamppost once more showed up in an abandoned alley. Carrie had a livid look on her face. I can't believe you did that! Damon was eating an apple and had a grocery bag in his hands as he sat down on the ground. What? I got our resources. Carrie got in his face. You used the outfit to render yourself into a horrible monster. You scared the living daylights out of a woman coming out of the grocery market. We could have just converted a rock or something <laughs> for money. I didn't want to go through all that hassle. This was more fun. All I said to her was, Booga, booga, booga. <laughs> she defecated herself, Damon. You probably almost gave her a heart attack. <laughs> oh, relax. She looked like she could afford to spend a little bit more than she needed to. Here, have some turkey meat. Carrie sighed as her stomach also started to get the better of her. She grabbed the turkey and sat down with Damon and started eating. Damon grinned as he pulled some French bread out of the bag and broke it in half for her. Carrie grabbed half of the loaf and started speaking once more. What is Fascination Street? That came out of nowhere. Why do you want to know? I can sometimes hear your thoughts. You keep saying that name in your head. So, you are looking into my brain, huh? Sometimes it's unavoidable. I want to warn you. I can see everything. And I mean everything. Everything? I know that you ran into a future version of yourself, and that he told you to tell me that he loved me. Whether or not what we have at the moment blossoms into true love, that remains to be seen, but maybe that's just being a teenager. How old are you? I'm 25, Damon. So, how come you haven't yet? Haven't what? I told me you loved me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, uh, I guess it's because I don't feel that way right now. Fair enough. Now, tell me about Fascination Street. What was your home like? 
Fascination Street is where my home is. This lamppost has been in that cul-de-sac for so long, I don't even remember when it first got there. It might have been there before I moved there. I don't know if I'll ever see my home again, and if I do, I don't know how different it will seem to me. Under the circumstances, i that's quite understandable. I, I don't have anything like that in my life. I spend most of my life hiding my ability, running from place to place. I lived in London for many years before going to Queen City. It's funny. Cincinnati in my world is still sometimes called the Queen City. As for nostalgia of home, I, I never felt I'd really fit in anywhere. I never grew close to anyone. Is there anything else you see in my head? I will say this. The idea of growing close to you would be a welcome change if we didn't argue. But you do have a wild imagination, Damon Holloway. They finished eating and stood up from the alley pavement. They walked away from the lamppost. Both looked at their unitards as they contorted into clothing that would allow them to blend in better. Carrie got a pair of bell-bottom jeans and a loose-fitting blouse. Damon got a pair of tight blue jeans and a David Bowie t-shirt. Carrie marveled at the air. Remarkably warm for December. It's the south, Carrie. Doesn't normally get too cold down here. Come on. They exited the alley and turned down the street. The people present seemed to pass their gaze right by them. Where did they say this woman lived? Marius Street. It's not far from here. Ten minutes later, they arrived at the house that was on the screen that Rafferty had shown them. There was a police car parked there and what looked like a commotion occurring. The two looked at each other and back toward the house as they ran. When they got there, Damon saw Bismarck. He had attacked two police officers, one white and one black. Fuck, not Bismarck. Who's Bismarck? Get away from my wife. The white cop said as he was being grappled. The black cop screamed as two other men were taking the white cop's wife, which Damon knew to be the subject of their mission, on through the back door of the house. Sergeant, they're getting away. Damon noticed that the woman looked to be nine months pregnant and about to burst. Damon looked at Carrie. Let's get him! They both started running toward the other end while the black police officer followed. The white officer was able to break free from Bismarck's hold, but was not mentally swift enough to avoid getting knocked out by a decisive blow from a spin kick to his head. Bismarck watched as his body fell. Bismarck peered toward the two flunkies he had hired to help him carry out this delicate mission of his. They're gonna fuck up. I know it. If they do, I will kick the ever-loving Sicer out of them. The two men could barely keep the pregnant woman on her feet as she kept falling. That gave Damon as well as the black cop time to catch up to them. The black cop tackled one guy to the ground as Damon leapt and clotheslined the other one in the face and knocked him to the ground as well. The black cop yelled as he pulled no punches and decked the guy several times the in the face. Cop, Damon placed his target in a headlock. Carrie, moments later, arrived and looked at the pregnant woman. Are you okay? Can you walk? The pregnant woman fought off the pain she was feeling. <sighs> it's certainly going to take more than a bunch of assholes to take down Sylvia Devereaux, believe you me. I'm glad you're okay, Sylvia. My name is Carrie. Oh, what a nice British accent you have. I love watching British comedy. She said as Carrie helped her to her feet. She then started feeling some pain in her stomach. Sylvia, what's going on? I know. I'm just fine. I'm afraid my husband and I... He might need help. She walked to where Damon and the black cop were and kicked the thug that he had square in the face. Teach you to mess with me, you piece of shit. 
When I'm done with y'all... Sylvia, he just can't kick a perp when he's down. I'm cuffing him now. Out of nowhere, Fuck! Carrie heard Damon cry <sighs> out in pain. The second thug was back on his feet as Damon was bleeding from his outer right leg. The guy stabbed him with a knife. Once the black cop had the other guy cuffed, he pulled his service revolver and aimed it carefully at the fleeing perpetrator and opened fire. The scumbag fell to the ground as he clutched a bullet wound to his upper leg. Damon writhed in pain. Fuck! Sylvia, can you and your new friend help this poor guy here? I have to go see if Steve is okay. But it was too late as Sylvia was already in the clutches of Bismarck as he put a gun that looked too advanced for this time to her head. A cold look came over his face. He was a viper. Drop your gun, Officer Moraine, if you know what's good for you. What could you want with a pregnant woman? That... that doesn't matter to you. My motivations are my own. Just drop your gun. Uh, uh, you're a sick bastard! You have no idea how sick I can be, Watchman. Well, who cares? How do you know my name? We've never met. Well, now we have. But trust me, soon enough, I will get to know you real well. And don't bother trying to use your powers on me. It won't work. I promise. <laughs> Sylvia was sweating profusely as she begged and pleaded. Don't take my baby! Don't take my baby! <laughs> Bismarck started moving backward and looked at Officer Moraine. I won't tell you again! Drop the gun! Officer Moraine sighed in anguish as he dropped the revolver. Bismarck started making his way toward an alleyway with Sylvia clutching his arm, struggling with him. Moraine looked at Damon. Use your shirt as a compressor for that wound. I will... I'll call back up and get this guy. Go! Do what you have to do! This is Unit 374. I'm going in pursuit of a guy. Moraine ran off while talking on his walkie-talkie. Carrie looked at Damon. Unfortunately, we can't use this shirt to stop the bleeding. I know. Hopefully Rafferty can fix this. So, it's the baby that's the focus. I don't know. That little baby be but if something happens to that kid, I'll never forgive myself for this. Just starring Stacey Atwell and Sylvia Devereaux. Fascination Street by The Cure. Tie Your Mother Down by Queen. Synchronicity 2 by The Police. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Dark Charm Media Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Hello, I'm Captain Joshua Chambers of the Baltimore Police Department. Are you bothered by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in a basement or attic? Have you or any of your family members ever encountered a spook, specter, or ghost? Well, if you have, don't call the police. They can't help you. All we have are guns, but you know who can? The keepers. Here is a satisfied customer. Well, I can hear the house in Towson where the Tana ghosts just want to get willy-nilly. 
I couldn't get through the house without getting molested by any kind of weird perverted ghost. To be honest, it's the most action I've gotten years, but that's besides the point. I needed help, so I called the keepers. And those specialists took care of those perverts lickety split. And I kinda missed the attention though. The Keepers have been around for over 200 years and have been helping normal people with supernatural problems ever since. If you have a problem with the supernatural, call Humanity's Defenders. Call the Keepers at 1-800-KEEPERS. That's 1-800-KEEPERS. Call now. Be sure to tune in to Season 3 of Noxo, coming from Dark Charmer Media 2023. Keepers is not a real agency. Joshua Chambers is not a real captain.